Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If it's not in our best interest, it's not in his either. And he's going to speak up about it. This is The Roy Green Show. Pipelines, a passionate topic in this country, and rightly so. Rightly so. We have thousands of miles or kilometers, whichever you prefer, of pipelines snaking through Canada. But every time there's talk about a new pipeline or the initiative for a new pipeline is brought forward, it really polarizes people. There are those who are really much greatly in favor. There are those who are adamantly opposed. And here we are with the Trans Mountain Pipeline Extension in British Columbia, which the prime minister says is going to take place, which has been okayed and uh, by regulatory bodies, and yet the protests continue. There's one underway now on Burnaby Mountain in British Columbia. Last weekend, there were thousands of protesters. I don't know what's happening there at the moment. We're going to talk to John Daly, um, radio host, show host on CKNW Radio in Vancouver, our chorus radio station, my colleague. John, thank you for taking the time, and please tell us what's happening and and why is it happening today? Is there a timing issue? Is there something specific about the middle of March? Roy, it's great to be with you. Yes, there's a number of things happening here right now. So just in the last few minutes, it would appear that something in the neighborhood of uh, two dozen protesters have uh, sat down uh, in front of the gate to the Kinder Morgan Pipeline worksite, which essentially is a bit of a tank farm, and that's be, it's behind there that they need to get equipment in and out. Uh, there has been, in this a uh, few days ago, uh, here in British Columbia and B.C. Supreme Court, a ruling, a uh, permanent injunction from the B.C. Supreme Court that says they've got to keep five kilometers, I'm sorry, five meters away from the gate or the road, uh, five meters from blocking access, and it would appear that uh, they are violating that right now. So, uh, why is this all happening now? As you say, there's a uh, date in mid-March which essentially uh, mitigates towards uh, a, a, a environmental ruling from the federal government to protect uh, various uh, nesting birds and the habitat for nesting birds. So the work, the tree cutting that has to take place in order to put the pipeline in and expand the pipeline uh, has to stop because of the nesting birds. And so that's, the, that's what they're working towards. They're trying to delay things enough so that this expansion process will be uh, scuttled effectively by the uh, environmental regulations. So that's why they're sitting down in front of the gate right now as we speak. And how many people in total are there, John, and what's expected going forward? Because this is going to go on for a number of days, is it not? Oh, I suspect it will go for days and days. And it looks like they've limited the number of people. Uh, last weekend we saw something, I mean, depending on whose estimates you want to take, uh, seven, eight, nine thousand 9,000 people, uh, massive protests. Uh, 
Uh, now we're seeing what would appear to be something in the neighborhood of perhaps 100, maybe 150 people. Uh, but the actual number of people who are sitting down blocking the gate looks to be in the neighborhood of uh, two dozen. So the analysis is that uh, where, where the uh, protesters, who don't, by the way, Roy, they don't like to be called protesters. They're protectors. God, oh, call them protectors. Okay. Uh, the protectors essentially figure that uh, there's going to be wave after wave after wave of people getting arrested. So best to do it in small groups, and that way you can just keep keep the uh, bodies coming. So it doesn't matter that the whole thing was taken care of as far as regulatory matters are concerned, that a court injunction, a permanent court injunction was issued, uh, as you pointed out. It doesn't matter that everything is as it should be, uh, again, regulatory-wise. They don't want it, and so they are now, they feel that they are they're needed and they're empowered to be, what are they? They're not protesters, what are they? Oh, they're protectors. Protectors. Roy, it's protectors. Don't Please don't call me a protester. I am a protector. That's what uh, okay. Uni Urchin told me. I guess that means one urchin. That's what she said. Well, I will uh, certainly we correct my... with the Aboriginal uh, leader there, Tatsil, and uh, she wants to frame this in terms of the promises that Pierre Trudeau made to the Aboriginal peoples uh, of Canada, and she's going back to uh, treaties of 1763, and they call this Camp Cloud, the cloud of uh, campers that's up there allegedly uh, protecting Burnaby Mountain and the aquifer, uh, where we get our water, uh, from Kinder Morgan. So, so uh, they they just they they just they don't want any oil. They don't want the pipelines. I, I can I can understand what they're saying. I can respect their point of view because we have different points of view in this country. But there's such a thing as logic, and this this country and this this economy still runs on 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 oil. There, am I I would just be I would just be wasting my time, wouldn't I, John? Absolutely, but here's the thing. So much of the upper coast of British Columbia, the north coast of British Columbia, depends on the oil that comes out of this terminal, which is where the uh, Kinder Morgan wants to do the expansion. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, the north coast of Vancouver Island, Port Hardy, um, you know, further up the coast, Prince Rupert, uh, these communities, uh, the Queen Charlotte Islands, depend on the oil that comes from this particular uh, terminal, this uh, you know, Kinder Morgan pipeline. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a big difference. You know, heavy oil, bitumen, oil sands oil, uh, much more volume, uh, some reasonable concerns. On the other hand, as you point out, we've gone through the environmental process. We've mm-hmm. gone through the court process. Uh, you know, uh, when, when do you get to a final result? And what happens if you don't get to a final result? Do we end up with a bunch of trains carrying oil and uh, people worried about a Lac Megantique? You know, I lived within an hour's drive of Lac Megantique in uh, in Quebec at the time of that tragedy. And I drove there shortly afterwards. I didn't want to go right away because... There was so much activity, and the people needed some space. But I went, I went later, not, not, not too long. And speaking with the people in the community, there was, it was like an entire society living with PTSD. And, mm. I, thought, and I thought, those who are, who are obsessed against pipelines, but understand the need to 
to, uh, to move oil, that we still need oil. The world needs oil. Those who understand the need to move the oil should just come to Lac-Megantic for an hour. They would go, and I think they would change their minds. I might be wrong, but I think they would change their view after they saw what happened there. Oh, what a tragedy. What it was a horror. Situation. And, and, you know, let's face it. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a train or a pipeline or a super tanker. Uh, there are risks involved with everything. There are. So, I mean, we have to figure out, how are we mitigating the risk properly? Uh, have we put in enough, uh, you know, sort of protections? And uh, at what point, you know, we're moving off of oil. I mean, there's no doubt the world is moving off of oil. You know, the mayor of Vancouver just uh, issued a, a thing the other day saying that uh, the regulations for electric car plug-ins uh, are going way up. So virtually every new building in, uh, in Vancouver will be completely equipped to charge every car that comes in. So, yeah, we're moving away from oil, but we're not there yet. So how do we square this circle? How do we respect the environment but keep the economy running and give people the freedom to do what they need to do? You know, John, um, we, we, we have needs, and we have social programs, and we have national and provincial programs that provide solutions to those needs, uh, but they have to be paid for. And the provinces and the federal government are running massively in, are massively in debt. Canadians, as, as families, as individuals, are massively in debt. There's a whole lot of money just waiting to, for that oil, for that Canadian oil. If we can move it safely, and the argument here is that it would be moved safely, then move it safely, support your infrastructure, support your social programs, support the people. If we're, if we're going off oil, it's going to happen anyway, but in the interim, let's maximize our opportunity as safely as we can to take advantage of what we're, what we're blessed with. Anyway. Well, and as people say, you know, the, the, the way that this thing's going right now, where we only have one customer, and that's the uh, United States, and we're, we're taking a hosing on the price we can get for oil to the states when we could be shipping some of this oil perhaps to uh, South Asia uh, and getting, you know, virtually double for, for what we're getting from the Yanks, or 60 bucks a barrel. So, uh, you know, you'd have to say, well, can, can we start to pay down the debt, ensure the uh, social programs and, and uh, the other things are, are being well, you know, well looked after. There's, you know, as they say, you know, you know, this is big U.S. companies basically exporting our oil. Yeah, but we're going to tax it. We are going so, to tax it. Yeah. Uh, we, we've become familiar with the word tariff recently. <laughs> Have we ever? <laughs> John, I thank you very much. It's great speaking with you. Back on the Beat is John Daly's program on CKNW Radio, Saturdays, 11 to noon. And if you listen online, that's Pacific time, of course. John, thank you. Always a pleasure, Roy. Thank you. Bye-bye. What a set of pipes, huh? John Daly from CKNW Radio. So the uh, protests continue, and we will continue to check in with, uh, with our CKNW and Global News reporters at uh, Burnaby Mountain uh, throughout the afternoon. When we come back... It's firearms, and the protest in the United States, led by high school students, is being quite effective, it appears. And Dick's Sporting Goods have changed the rules. That's a huge nationwide sporting goods chain of stores. They've changed the rules as as far as being able to buy a firearm there 
They have to be 21 years of age. And their CEO has said, we're going to have to pay an economic price for doing this. We'll talk to a bankruptcy expert later who says Dix and Remington, the firearms manufacturer, may be facing bankruptcy. But when we come back, Tony Bernardo is the executive director of the CSSA and uh, Canadian Sports Shooting Association, and Ed Berlew. He's a criminal lawyer who specializes in criminal law involving firearms. A lot of talk in the last couple of weeks, particularly in Western Canada, about individuals who've used firearms to protect their homes and protect their families. And in one case, the Crown Attorney decided to lay charges, and the other, the Crown Attorney decided not to lay charges. I spoke with Ed Ballou a couple of days ago, and I said, does it depend just on the Crown Attorney? Wait for the answer. We'll come right back.